This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. I love cooking Mexican food. I love cooking American food. I'm really good at also diet food. I wish I could cook a little more. I'm not a chef, but I can hold my own. I have good sazon. What are like some easy tips that you can give people to just make healthy choices? If you're going to make a decision to make a change, you really got to do a purge in your pantry. There's a lot more Mexican restaurants in New York, more Puerto Rican restaurants. So I think now that these restaurants are kind of popping up, there's definitely a lot more space for Latin chefs. Hola, hola, ¿qué tal mi gente hermosa? Happy Monday. If this is your first time listening to Cheeky's and Chill Podcast, welcome. If you're one of my incredible subscribers, welcome back. I'm your host, Cheeky's, and today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, food, comida, mi gente. We have the most amazing guest for you today, so let's hop right into this week's episode. This is Cheeky's and Chill. I'm really looking forward to today's show because if you know me, you know I love food. I've always loved food and I love to cook as well. Many people don't know that, but I like to cook. As you guys know, I have a Chiki's Keto book. It's called Chiki's Keto and it is a book about keto. But when I started doing keto lifestyle, I couldn't find any like, you know, like I'm Mexican. I want spice. I want flavor, you know, so I did it with my friend Sarah. I love cooking Mexican food. I love cooking American food. I'm really good at also like, quote unquote, diet food. But anyways, <laughs> I think now is a good time to welcome our guest, Chef Ariel Fox. You might know her from the hit show Hell's Kitchen, hosted by Chef Gordon Ramsay. She was a contestant on season six and came back on the show to compete in season 18, which she won, by the way. She's currently the regional vice president of culinary at Del Frisco's and Dos Caminos Restaurants. She also has a new cookbook called Spice Kitchen, Healthy Latin and Caribbean Cuisine. Sounds interesting. I love that. Chef Ariel, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. 
Okay, Ariel. So like I said earlier, we are talking about like my one of my favorite subjects, food. <laughs> and I can remember like when I was little at my grandma's house, I was raised by my grandma. There were always, always like beans on the stove. The house always smelled like frijoles de la olla with a little bit of pine salt because my grandma would just clean all day, but I would always smell the beans. And that's what we would eat almost every single day. It was like beans with potatoes and there was always rice, some type of protein. So what are your like earliest memories being in the kitchen? Well, I grew up with, you know, a couple of grandmothers as a lot of us do. And I had my grandmother on my Latin side and my grandmother on my Irish and German side. It's funny because I have mixed memories, very South American cuisine and then mm -hmm. very European cuisine. But my grandmother on my Irish and, and German side, it's really interesting she started to dabble in a lot of ethnic foods as well. Uh -huh. So it kind of all got intermingled when I was growing up. I mean, it, you know, we would go down and visit my father's family in Colombia. So I have very early memories of conch stew and everything was very sweet and spicy and very fattening in the, uh, <laughs> in the uh, Colombian islands. It's actually from San Andres. So it's very kind of the Caribbean and... They had mm -hmm. some East Indian background as well. So, I mean, I just grew up with like this intense variety of spices and flavors. And I think my mom sort of took pieces of all of that. And mm -hmm. it was really cool because, you know, I didn't realize how special it was growing up, but it was like every night of the week was a different cuisine. And, you know, she yeah. won't tell you she's a great cook and she's afraid to cook for me now. <laughs> But my mom uh -huh. killed it. Every night of the week, it was like a different something from my background. And it was awesome because I got to kind of go around the world. We had Italian night. We had curry night. We had, you know, we had everything. So it was amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. Like that's one thing like a lot of people would think my mom doesn't know or didn't know how to cook. But it's just like she really did. And she would she was the type of mom that would go into the kitchen or go into the refrigerator and find Literally, I felt like there was nothing there. I was like, there's nothing to eat, you know? Right. And she's like, of course there is. And she'd pull out all kinds of shit and she'd make something so delicious. And I'm like, oh, damn, I guess there's just like, you just got to look and you have to like use your imagination. And all those, all those things help me now because I wish I could cook a little more. I mean, I'm not a chef like you, of course, but I'm like, I can hold my own. I have good sasson, you know, but it's Absolutely. so awesome because you have so many different backgrounds that it's just, I think you can bring all of that when you're cooking. I think that's amazing. It's like, I love Caribbean food too. Oh my God, me encanta. Like, oh, I feel like it's very so similar good. to Mexican. <laughs> they love a lot of carbs on their plate. Yeah. <laughs> no, right? And there's a lot of mix of like savory and sweet, like in the meal. So it's like you have to have, it's funny because everyone talks about umami now and I'm like, okay, well that was around like forever. Umami wasn't, yes. that's, there's like Latin umami too, right? You had a little huh. bit of spice, sweet, little savory. And then you had like, all the different allspice and cumin and, you know, yeah, all cumin. of those flavors together. So, God, I just, I love talking about food. Yeah. <laughs> I just, me too, me too, which is why I'm like, I'm so happy that you're here. I, I just started using cumin, actually. My to-go things are, of course, salt, pepper. I love garlic powder, you guys. Like, I feel yeah. like I use garlic powder on everything. I love onion. I think, like, those are, for me, my basics, but I just started using, like, I don't know how do you pronounce it, okay? I always say paparica, but what is it the real how do you really I mean, pronounce we just pap call it paprika and you know it but but you could say it in the spanish because they're spanish smoked paprika so it's you know uh -huh. either way is fine i haven't tried the smoked paprika oh it's so yeah, good some, a friend of mine just started using she's like you have to use it i can't remember what she was cooking 
But anyways, cumin, you guys, and paprika are also really good. I'm trying to expand my seasoning and like my herbs. <laughs> so I'm getting better. I'm getting better at that. Um, so Ariel, tell us, how old were you when you started cooking? Like, do you remember like the first time you cooked something on your own? I was very young. I think my grandmother and my mother were very cool about letting me be in the kitchen. I think I was a mature kid and I think I was responsible. I don't really remember the point when I like learned how to use a knife. I think that they let me help like in their way, you know, with stirring and kneading if we were making some kind of dough. But I definitely remember my mom teaching, like you said, that kind of lesson of figuring out how to make something was very little in the house. I feel like we never had anything mm -hmm. in the house. And so I would get home from school yeah. and I would be, and my mom would be so mad at me for saying that, but it just felt like we didn't have anything, but we also just had very healthy things in the house. Oh my gosh, we didn't have yes. a pantry full of like Doritos Fun and <laughs> whatever. Like my friends would all have these crazy snackables and lunchables and pizza pockets. And I would get home and I'd have yep. like avocados and green beans and you know mm -hmm. just healthy stuff so oh my gosh my mom was the same way <laughs> so i was like this is so not fair we never have any food oh, my yeah. mom's like we have lots of food you just have to make something mm -hmm. so i would you know make myself like an avocado and sprouts and cucumber sandwich with like chili and lime and you know i just nice. learned at a young age how to kind of start throwing things together with fresh kind of seasonal ingredients and i didn't even realize that was you know, valuable yeah. to learn at that age. Of course. And I'm sure like as a kid, you were like, oh, my mom's so boring. But now yes. you thank her. I'm sure <laughs> if it wasn't for her. And that's how I feel as well. So like my mom was the same way. I did not have a fun pantry or anything fun in the house, you know, and I was that kid that would pull out the lunch yeah. pail and I had like a burrito wrapped in like <laughs> aluminum foil. And I'm just like, I was the only one and all the kids had their Lunchables and their little cute little <laughs> juices, the ones that come, what yep. are they called? The little Paxson like juices? Like uh, Capri Suns, yes. <laughs> the Capri Sun. My mom would squeeze grapefruit juice for me, okay, in the morning and put it in this little like thing that wasn't, I think it was like a like water bottle and she would just like, drink the water and put it in there. My mom was like so resourceful. <laughs> she was like, you're not going to be fat when you grow up. And I, and that's why I have in my head, you know, because I think she grew up overweight and she wanted to always like instill in us, eat healthy, non-fat milk all the time, egg whites, like all those things. So it's funny that you mentioned that because it brought, it's like totally took me back <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness. And now I thank her. I know I'm thankful for it now because I'm able to embrace a healthy lifestyle Absolutely. and it's you know it's so much easier for for some people and that's what part of writing the book is you know that's not an easy start for some people to mm -hmm. clean up their lifestyle they don't really know where Absolutely. to begin exactly uh, and that was important for me to just kind of help this is how you can start you know yeah for sure and uh when did you find out you wanted to be a chef like when when was that like how old were you I don't think I necessarily knew at the exact time, but I did work on an organic farm in Watsonville, California when I was oh, in nice. high school. It's a migrant Mexican town, uh, a big farm working town um, where a lot of this country's produce comes from that area in California. So it was really cool. I got to work on that farm and grow organic vegetables when they were like, you know, farm to table wasn't even a word yet. You know, people didn't really have that slogan. And uh, we used to sell vegetables at the San Francisco farmer's market to a lot of really famous chefs. 
And I think mm-hmm. it definitely planted a seed for me. I don't think, um, you know, I was going to school for math and science and halfway through, I, I told my mom, I'm like, so yeah, I don't want to go to regular college anymore. I want to go to culinary school. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, I think I pissed my parents <laughs> off pretty bad. I think it took about 10 years uh-huh. at least after graduating culinary school for them to be like, oh, I guess this is this is going to stick. Right. This is a thing. So Yeah. And I think that happens a lot in our Latin culture. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They, they want us to be doctors or they want us to go to school to be like, like this, like, and it's great. But then when you do something like, I want to be a makeup artist or I want to, you know, be a chef, yeah. they're just kind of like, well, que es eso? I want to sing. Well, why? <laughs> but then it's, you've proven yourself. You said after 10 years, they were like, oh, okay, yeah. she's great at it. It's working out. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there. I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You were on that show on Hell's Kitchen, which that was freaking awesome, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) How how was that experience? It was wild. I mean, the first time I think I was a little young and a little shy. Uh, I definitely didn't push myself, you know, to the limit. But I always told myself, man, if they ever call me back, I am so walking in there and taking this thing. And um, literally like 10 years to the day from the first time. Not to the day, but like to the, it was like the same month. They must film, you know, cast and film in the same months. But it was like 10 years later, 
they said they were doing all-star seasons. And I'm like, absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to go in there and this time I'm going to win it. <laughs> and you did. That's awesome. That is so great. How is he actually? I was going to ask you that too. Um, Ramsey, is he cool? He's cool. He's, he's definitely rough. He's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's looking at you, it's like he's staring at your soul when he asks you a question. So it's very like, be honest, don't bullshit him. Right. If you mess up, own your mistakes. I mean, he doesn't really yell like that okay. in normal life, but he's intimidating. If he walks into a kitchen, you straighten up, you pay attention and you definitely listen to what he tells you to do. He knows what he's doing. He's the real deal. He knows how to cook like you wouldn't believe. I was going to ask you because I'm sure this is my take on it or what I've noticed that there are it's a very also like culinary, the culinary industry is very male dominated. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, my whole career, I've been the only female in the kitchen 98 percent of the time. And if there is another female, it's a pastry chef. Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong uh-huh, with. I uh-huh. absolutely respect all of my fellow pastry chefs, all my girlfriends in the kitchen are pastry chefs, but I always told myself I want to be a, a savory chef, a chef. And it's been a, it's definitely been a male dominated industry. Why do you think that is? I mean, because there are always women in the kitchen, especially us growing up. What's funny, I went to a French culinary school and one of the things they taught in food history is a lot of cultures, when it came to chefs in hotels and kitchens, it was just like Japanese culture where they would not train women how to make sushi, where it was a privilege. It was the same in the haute cuisine of France. It was like women weren't allowed in the kitchen, which is so funny because at home it's predominantly women in the kitchen. So it's really interesting. It became sort of like this. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but it was like once it became industry or a money making situation, it was like, okay, well, we don't, we're not going to train women Mm -hmm. how to do this. And it's like, (laughs) Wait a minute. We trained you how to do this. Exactly. Hello. <laughs> we Hello? taught you how to cook. <laughs> Have you ever walked into a kitchen and, or, or, and do you feel like intimidated or anything like that? Have you ever felt that? Maybe my first six months. But after mm-hmm. that, it was like, you either got to just you fake it till you make it or you like how many different metaphors? Fake it till you make it. Uh, sink or swim. You got to like roll with the boys. I hate to say it that way, but I had to had to show them. I'm sure I, I acted in ways that I, if I'm looking back on it, I would say that it's unfortunate I had to be that way as a young mm-hmm. woman in the industry just to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, it's like, wow, that was kind of not cool, you know? Yeah. And did you ever feel like you wanted to quit? Like you're like, no, forget this. I'm not going to do this. Or did you feel like this is what I want? Probably a million times. But I knew it's what I wanted. I just, I couldn't quit. But there were days where it was like, what am I doing, man? You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. Because even in my industry, it's still like, you know, we're in the regional Mexican space. And I think all music, it's very difficult for women to be accepted completely. You know, it's very male dominated. So it's just, you have to have that fire within and say, okay, I'm just going to keep on trucking. I'm going to keep pressing forward. Um, and of course, you just want to like throw in the towel. But Thank goodness you don't, because it's right when you're like, you want to give up, something happens and it's like, boom. Right when you almost give up, right? Yeah. I I think I got my first break. You know, people always say, oh, was it the show? I'm like, no, I I am where I am today because I worked my butt off to Mm -hmm. get here. The show was great, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't what propelled my career. I remember getting my first real chef position 
you know, from there, I just never really looked back, you know, and I had taken a couple steps sideways. I think one of the things that women really do well in whatever field is they know when it's appropriate to take a step down or take a step to the side in order to get to the next Mm -hmm. step. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And Mm -hmm. I finally realized when it was the last time, like now I'm only taking this position and up, but I did, you know, I played it right and I made some good moves. And I think that was very key was just knowing what moves to make in your career. And sometimes I took big pay cuts, but you know what? It paid off in other ways. And, you know, 22 years later, here we are. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a cocky person. I very hard on myself. Um, but it took until very recently to say I'm good at what I do and I can, you know, on the business side too, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just the chef side. There are a lot of different types of chef jobs and more power to the chef that's working on the line every day in a small mom and pop place. That's if that's what their goal is and their dream. But I've always been kind of more on the the big business side as well. That's a part that I, I definitely feel proud of that, you know, I know how to run this culinary business, this hospitality thing. (laughs) That makes me so happy. It makes me proud. It makes me so proud as a fellow Latina just to be like, she's a woman. She's Latin. She's made it this far. You love what you do. And I'm sure there are many people or women that are listening to us now that also want to go to culinary school. Is it hard? Is culinary school hard? You know, I don't know how it is these days. I know when I went, it was tough. I mean, I went to a two-year program. It wasn't like a easy breezy. Uh, you see the ads all over for different trades now where it's like, get out in six months and make this starting salary. And I'm just like, whoa, I had to like go through food history and nutrition and all the courses. And, you know, it was a full on thing, but it's funny because it's now twice as expensive and you get less schooling. But I think the most important piece of advice I'd give anyone going into culinary school is just tune out all the, I mean, now it's tough. You got the Food Network, you got all these famous chefs. It's got to get you a little jaded on like not really wanting to put in the hard work, right? You're like, I want to be, I want to be that now. I want to get there now. And you just have to tune that stuff out because it's a process. Even if you're a natural good cook, it's a process to get through this industry and you've got to, you got to put in the time. Yeah. There you have it. Anyone that's listening that um, wants to follow in Chef Ariel's footsteps, just be patient. I think it's just be patient and just know there are going to be moments that you're going to be like, F this all. <laughs> but look, yeah. we all go through it. <laughs> and it's always just, I always say this guys, keep your eyes focused on the light at the end of the tunnel. So talking about, we already talked about women. Are there a lot of Latin, even men as chefs? Have you met more, a lot more Latin chefs out there? Growing up in California, I think there was definitely a lot more Mexican chefs, not necessarily like at the top, but definitely working their way. Almost every sous chef I ever worked with in California was Mexican. Most of the cooks were Mexican as well. I'm a little different on the East Coast when I moved here. It's just a different Latin culture here, a lot of Puerto Rican. Trade off, you know, I left the West Coast and it was, you know, Salvadorian and and Mexicans in the kitchen. And then here it was a lot of mostly Puerto Ricans and, and some Haitians. And, but I think, I don't know, in New York anyway, there's definitely a lot more Latin male chefs for sure. Still not that many women. There's a few. I I think the space has opened up in general. A lot more Mexican restaurants in New York. There's a lot more Puerto Rican restaurants. So I think now that these 
what I guess people would call niche restaurants, which is just funny to yeah. me because it's you know it's not a it's not a trend. It's Hello. just <laughs> these are ethnic foods that have been around a long time. Now that these restaurants are kind of popping up all over the place, I think there's definitely a lot more space for Latin chefs for sure. That's awesome. Do you feel like any pressure having to represent Latins or especially women? Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. And then, you know, some people are also, you know, not very kind, you know, that I'm not a hundred percent. You know, I, I have a very white mom, you know, with a very European background. It's always been tough to fit into either space for me because it's I'm not one thing and I'm not the other, but I feel comfortable in both and mm -hmm. I think that's okay. It's funny because I try to stand up for and represent Latin people in the food industry and sometimes I don't get received 100%, wow. which is unfortunate. Yeah. You got to just take it in stride and stay mm -hmm. positive and continue doing what you're there to do. And everything I do is coming from a good place. I just hope that people know that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those people that make it hard, it's just, you know, it's cool. It's all good. Like I try my best <laughs> to be like... Okay, I'm just gonna breathe. There's obviously something yep. wrong with you, not with me. <laughs> do you, and you know? I'll keep doing me. <laughs> uh huh, exactly. <laughs> this is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi. I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? 
Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I have two questions. So, what are like some easy tips that you can give people to just um, make more of like healthy choices? Like, you know, things that people use every single day or the thing that you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one tip is if you're going to make a decision to make a change, you really got to do a purge in your pantry because if it's not there, you can't use it. Right. That's my number one rule. If it's not there, you can't eat it. There's definitely go-to ingredients. I mean, I'm big on um, only using natural sea salt, Himalayan salts, avocado oils. I use all different types of oils. I use olive oils for certain things, coconut oil, avocado oil, grapeseed oil. There's different oils for different things. Is your go-to avocado? Yeah, I think so. It's got a high smoke point. It works nicely all around for searing. Uh, You can use it for salad dressings. You can use it for a lot of stuff. Yeah, so it's super versatile. I think the salts, the fats, and the sugars are the number one things that you want to start with. I know the flowers are important too, but if you can start there and then move on to the flowers, because the flowers can be a little tough to navigate, mm-hmm. right? Because coconut flour works very different than almond flour versus, you know, arrowroot yeah. starch. So some are good for baking, some are good for breading. And I talk a lot about that and what to use where and, and what substitutes. But I think, like I said, the salts, the oils... And the sugars are important. Coconut sugar is a huge one for me. It's kind of an in-between. I use monk fruit sugar a lot. Oh, yes, the monk fruit sugar, you guys. Yeah. I have no cane sugar in this house, so. Good. You got to purge it. Yeah. If it's not there, you can't use it. That's my number one rule. I think it's very um, important to just make that decision, guys. You know, like when I've tried so many different I don't even like to call them diets anymore, but I tried so many different diets and keto was the thing. And it just becomes making that switch of it's a lifestyle change. I want to just be healthier. I want to feel better more than anything. It was like, I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. So I just did exactly what you said. I purged. I was like, I am removing everything that I know is not good for me and try to find other things like instead of cane sugar, you know, the monk fruit sugar, which I was introduced to that late, like maybe like last year, barely. And I really like it, you know, so just little things like that. Yeah. But anyways, how do you feel about buying organic proteins, poultry and organic fruits? Like, do you feel like it's absolutely necessary? Do you highly recommend that? I think that there are some things that you really should stick Mm -hmm. to. I don't think it needs to be 100 percent. Let's be honest. A fully organic lifestyle is not cheap. Right. Right. So you kind of have to pick and choose what you're going to do. I'm particularly strict when it comes to where my chicken comes from. Only because I know the huge swing between what you're getting with a commodity bird versus a organic bird and and what they're fed. There are some things that I don't think are as important, but I I would say a lot of meats. I mean, I only eat grass-fed beef. I work with regular beef in my restaurants. Obviously, I have to taste it, but when I'm at home, it's it's mostly grass fed. Um, if I'm eating pork products, I try to eat nitrate free, um, yeah. you know, just no additives and just natural chickens. I know it sounds funny, but I'm a little less weird about fish because right now the whole farm raised industry has totally changed. And there's a lot of actual 
quote unquote, farm raised. Right. It's almost like wild farm raised. They're building farms out in the ocean. So you're mm-hmm. getting a much more natural product than the old school farm raised, which was in these weird pens, like landlocked, salinated water. So farm raised is really kind of changed where fish, I'm a, I'm a little, depends on what fish I'm getting, but I'm a little bit less crazy about that. As far as vegetables, for me, anything you're going to eat raw, go organic. Yeah. If you're going to cook it, it's not the end of the world. Okay. You know, we grew up eating non-organic food. Yeah, Let's be true. real. Okay, <laughs> and we're, we're going right. to cook it. It's, you know, it's going to be fine. So, and it's what you can afford. If it's more about the type of ingredients that you can change, we can't afford a full organic lifestyle. I don't think that anyone should beat themselves up for that. You do what you can when you can. Mm-hmm. That's another rule of thumb for me. I love that. I absolutely love that because there are times when I'm like, okay, I can go to, I don't know, Whole Foods, right? And I'm like, and it's expensive. It does get expensive. So, so there's expensive. Yeah. I cut back on other things that are not necessary to make sure I'm investing in, in myself, which is the things that I'm eating here at home. So when I'm traveling, that's one thing where I'm like, okay, I try my best not to have any chicken outside of the house. I'd rather do fish. Yeah, because you know what you are cooking in your own home. You don't necessarily know what you're eating in a in a restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just my only thing. But I want I was curious to see what you thought about organic because there are people there that don't believe in it, but I'm like, dude, it's out there. It's it's real. Yeah. So my other question uh, was actually asked you probably like five questions in one. So I'm so sorry, but my other (laughs) question, and I'm very curious to ask you this because I don't know, I feel like it's frowned upon and certain chefs feel that way, but I want to know what you feel. Be honest. Sure. I'm the type of person that I don't measure. I have a sister who's really good at cooking and she measures everything. I've never measured. I grew up watching my grandma cook and she never measured, even with the beans. Like yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh my, she would put like all kinds of salt. I'm like, oh, sh- that shit's going to be salty. And it wasn't. It's like now I'm like, I find myself doing the same thing where I don't measure salt, anything. I just feel it in my heart. I swear to you. I like to feel it and I'm like, yes. okay, cool. I'm going to stop now. Yeah. <laughs> but do you, what do you feel about that? Like, should we measure? Is it better to measure? I don't measure when I'm cooking uh, savory food. Okay. I almost never measure. Obviously, my recipes in a book are going to have measurements, which is hard, by the way, when you need to quantify things that you didn't actually measure for a very long time. I was like, oh, I got this took a really long time to turn this into an actual recipe. But baking, you can't mess around with. You exactly. have to measure in baking. Mm-hmm. This just It will work. It just doesn't work if you don't measure in baking, as far as I know. But everyday cooking, like, I don't measure anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because even when in my book, I did, I added, of course, like for measuring, because there are a lot of people prefer to measure, which is totally fine with savory food. But for sure with baking, there's no way, like you said, like I have to like, I don't even like to bake too much, to be honest. I let my sister do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I was just curious because I was like, oh no, you know, there are, I've heard before. It's kind of like, no, that's not right. You have to measure in a certain amount of salt. And of course, if you're watching, you know, like cholesterol and all that stuff, and I would suggest, yes, measure, but I should say a disclaimer because like uh, my bosses are out there in the restaurants Mm -hmm. we measure because obviously we have a standard we need to, you know, like a guest is coming to order that dish they always get. Like it has to be the same. So like there are measurements in the kitchen for prep recipes. I don't measure at home is what I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're cooking at home and stuff. But I mean, at work, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so now tell us a little about your book. Yes. So it's coming out in August, uh, towards the end of August. Very exciting. 
you know, it's not one culture. It's a lot of different cultures. Again, I married my husband. He's Puerto Rican and Ecuadorian. Now I've got this plethora of Puerto Rican and Ecuadorian influences too. So we sort of take a journey through Uh everywhere. There's some recipes in there for gatherings. There's some recipes in there for mornings on the go, entertaining. There's cocktails. Some of my favorite desserts that I really had to, talking about science, I really had to work hard on because I do love certain things like a rum cake, a uh, Jamaican rum cake, or, you know, a tres leches cake. And I wanted to not you know, have to deprive myself of these things mm-hmm. in my life because they're so good. Like whoever doesn't like tres leches, I, I don't know. Seriously. I'm just saying, <laughs> but like I found a recipe that works for me. Obviously I can't sit and eat a whole tray of it, but right. there's a recipe that is, you know, at least seven to eight times healthier than, the, you know, the original. Oh my God, I'm excited. I love tres leches, but yeah, it's, I always think I'm like, it's not healthy, but oh my goodness. I great. know. Well, you got to be able to splurge and there's ways where, you know, there's some things that are more healthy and there's some things that are just, like I said, you do what you can when you can. Every recipe in the book, I make a note. There's a story about my life. There's an intro to every recipe that tells you where it came from in my life. Some of these recipes are, I make notes that, you know, how to sub in regular flour or how to sub in regular butter um, so that, you know, it can be accessible to folks that aren't living that nutritional lifestyle. That's freaking awesome. I love that you added for gatherings because that's, I think, one of my biggest things. It's like I can cook for one, two, three people, but when people are coming over, I get overwhelmed. I, I don't know. I feel like I forget everything. Yeah. So that's <laughs> awesome that you added that. I don't. I haven't seen personally a, a cookbook that has that you know it's like oh for gatherings for parties you have the cocktails which is so awesome as well you, you have one a coconut lime margarita you guys which i'm so excited to try now okay that's one <laughs> coconut lime margarita and the tres leches cake i'm so excited for because you know i like i'm not gonna lie i i like my cocktails guys so you guys know that <laughs> so you have how many recipes a hundred right uh, 110, 110 110 nice okay well what's your favorite like go-to cocktail you know, on a regular basis, I don't really drink mixed drinks. I did come up with the cocktails that are in the book because when I do want one, I want a healthier version. But I'll be straight with you. I'm a scotch drinker. I like whiskey and I like scotch. So that's my All go-to right. drink. And you do it straight up? <laughs> straight up. On, well, on a large I rock. love it. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's sexy. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. That's my drink. But if I yeah. am going to have a mixed drink, some of my favorites are what I included for sure. You also have a michelada in there as yes, well? Yes, absolutely. One of my favorite drinks when I'm on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited, you guys. It's called Spice Kitchen, healthy Latin and Caribbean cuisine, you guys. I'm for sure going to buy. I like to buy two of everything, so I'm going to buy two just in case one gets dirty. Because, you know, Amazing. when you're cooking, one's get, one gets dirty. So I'll just keep one where it looks pretty and the other one where I could just get dirty with my fingers. Love so. it. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, while I'm cooking. So, no, that's awesome. I'm, I'm very happy for you. And I feel like we have a lot in common. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And seriously, like we should throw a Latin food party sometime and cook some stuff together. That would be fun. I would love that. We should do it. And if you could just before you go and before I share my motivational Monday quote, you guys, can you share with us, Chef Ariel, like where people can find you, social media, website, anything like that? Absolutely. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, Chef Ariel Fox or on Facebook, Chef Ariel Fox. And uh, you can buy Spice Kitchen pretty much anywhere books are sold. Pre-orders are on sale now. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. Love it. I'm a pre-order mine, guys. (laughs) I really am. I'm excited. And, you know, I always share my motivational um, quote with you guys every Monday. Same thing. So here it is. 
So the motivational Monday quote is one of the happiest moments in life is when you find the courage to let go of what you can't change. So thank you so very much for listening. Like always, I'll be here every Monday. Los amo. Again, Chef Ariel, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And I'm really looking forward to your book. (laughs) Un besito a todos. Do you need advice on love, relationships, health, y más? I'm so excited to share with you that my Cheekies and Chill podcast will have an extra episode drop each week. I'll be answering all your questions. Just leave me a voice message con todas tus preguntas y yo te las voy a contestar personalmente. All you have to do is go to speakpipe.com slash Cheekies and Chill podcast and record your questions. I can't wait to hear from you. This is a production of iHeartRadio and My Cultura Podcast Network. Follow us on Instagram at My Cultura Podcasts and follow me, Chiquis, that's C-H-I-Q-U-I-S. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 españolcom There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.